Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. You are now listening to the Half a Bird Sports Show. Yo, welcome to the Half a Bird Sports Show. You have so many options for high-flying entertainment, yet you chose a ride with us, and we appreciate that. Your host, Jimmy, along with myself, Jay, bringing you the sports opinions you need to adopt immediately. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple, and wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. So, Jimmy, what's on today's school lunch menu? The Cowboys fall back, but it was not enough. The Colts realize to win, you have to play rough, which means the Chiefs D-line needs to get rough. And the Rockets GM, he done effed up. Frozen 5 recap, yeah, this week was tough. Jay Gruden, we would like to wish you good luck. I got an NFL trade to fix all this stuff. And who's the best cornerback with them handcuffs? Ooh, ooh. Handcuff stuff? Really? Yeah. Feel pretty good about that one. Okay. Well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us here on the Half a Bird Sports Show. Myself and Jimmy. What's up? Doing we do best talking at the sides of our neck. Loaded show as Jimmy gave us the rundown. We'll be following it to AT. But we want to lead off first and foremost to giving a special shout out. Yes. Special shout out to not only our organization, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, it's specifically the Zeta Sigma chapter. This weekend was Epic. I haven't been out like that in a cool <laughs> minute. And it felt good to be around the bros and really go in and uh, see everybody's doing good. Mm-hmm. So I had a blast. How about you, Jimmy? Yeah, same thing, same thing. Hands down. That's one of the best weekends I've had in a really long time. And to see the chapter doing as well and being as well organized as it was uh, warms my heart. Being an old head, you know, both of us. Oh yeah, what, sixteen, seventeen years ago, when we game. were we were young men before we young were old pups. men. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it was really good. Uh, so definitely, uh, big shout outs to them, to the chapter president, uh, to to grad advisor, everybody involved with the Zeta Sigma chapter, University of Central Oklahoma, um, on one and upward, on one and upward, and hopefully you'll get your paddle one of these days. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Let's not talk about that at well, all. Well, we're gonna talk about that. We will talk about this though. First and foremost, um. Them boys all right? Mm-mm, mm-mm. What happened to them boys? <laughs> deep, deep. What happened to them boys? <laughs> what happened to them boys? They was talking shrimp to the clapping to them boys. I'm not sure if y'all noticed, man. The Dallas Cowboys have not been doing good the last couple of weeks. And I have definitely been defending a big defender of Dak. But, man, last game kind of made me question some of the – why I was kind of defending him. I mean, they started the game off really, really rough. I mean, he threw like two picks to start the game, basically, giving the ball back nonstop. And that's not conducive in a winning culture. I mean, if you want to win the game, you kind of have to keep the ball. And as I'm going through like the play-by-play, I mean, it started off, Cowboys started off solid, got a punt within two minutes, then Dak throws a pick. The Packers score a touchdown. Cowboys punt. Packer touchdown. Pick. Then we got back-to-back punts. Field goal, missed field goal, punt. In the first half. Down 17 to nothing. So, just looking at that first half, Jimmy, should the Cowboys be worried? I think they should be worried because when you look at, okay, who or what is to blame for this loss – it's one of those situations where there's plenty of blame to go around. Yeah. So it's not just one or two things. It's several things. Right. Especially in a game where Aaron Rodgers is beginning to look like his age. He's beginning to look like he's no longer that super dangerous quarterback that he's always been. He's still dangerous. But even in a game like this where he throws for no touchdowns, doesn't even eclipse 250 yards, that usually will set a team up versus him to be able to win the game. But two things stood out to me about why Dallas should be worried in reference to the primary reasons why they lost this game. First and foremost, the Dallas defensive line. 
And it wasn't so much that they gave up a ton of yards because they really didn't. You know, for the game, they only gave up uh, 124.1 yards to carry. That's pretty good for an NFL defense. But they gave up four rushing touchdowns to Aaron Jones, the running back for the Packers, who's good. But he's someone who does not get fed the ball like that unless the Packers feel like there is nothing the other team can do to stop him. He's not, he's not even one of the ten best running backs in the game. So to allow him to steamroll you when it mattered the most in the red zone for four touchdowns is – it's pathetic for the Dallas defensive line to have played that, to have put up that kind of performance. And secondly, Dak Prescott, again, a quarterback you've defended, quarterback I've defended, I really like him, but three interceptions and four interceptions total in your last two games is not going to get it done when you play against the upper echelon of NFL teams, which is what they're starting to face at this yep. point in their schedule. So I would say the biggest pieces of the pie as to why they lost and to why Dallas should be worried, Dallas defensive line, Dak Prescott's INTs because he looks shook. I, I, and I got to give it to uh, the OSG. If you, we always put up the OSG report, fantasy report every week. Typically on Saturdays, it was a little late this weekend due to the festivities. But in OSG's report, he pointed out that Aaron Jones is one of the running backs. He's a must play this week. Mm. You got to play him. You got to play Zeke, mainly because Jones has the backfield to himself. And we talked about this before how it looks like Aaron Rodgers doesn't look very happy in the current system or the setup. He ain't looking like he doesn't look, he does not look like himself. You can tell he really, it's either age or I think it's more frustration. I actually, I think it's age and frustration. I don't think it's because he's old. I think it's because he's a seasoned vet and he doesn't like the fact that this young guy's coming in trying to tell him what to do. And the one thing these young guys tell him what to do is hand the ball to your running backs. Even though Aaron really hasn't had a running game most of his career, Mm -hmm. They actually have a competent running game, but Aaron Rodgers is not looking like Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he trusts his receivers because um, I think that even if Devontae Adams would have played in this game, just based upon how he's looked thus far this season with Devontae Adams, I don't think it would be any different because his number one receiver in this game was his running back, Aaron yeah. Jones, seven catches, 75 yards. So I don't think he trusts those – either he doesn't trust those guys or they're not getting open or both. Now, he's one of those quarterbacks who can throw you open, but it requires trust to do that. Yeah. So I think that, and this may be a function of this new system, he doesn't trust his receivers. I can see that. I can definitely see that because Devontae Adams ate all last season with Aaron Rodgers doing his improvising. And the way this system, I think that's where the system is coming in and it's bothering him is because this system does not really give room for improvisation. You can't really improvise and just do things on the fly. It's built with timing. It's built for the plays to go the way they are designed. And that, to me, throws the rhythm of Aaron Rodgers off. Like, give Aaron some structure, but let him go out there and do what he does best, which is slime that thing. It's more of a Peyton Manning-type situation, except for Aaron doesn't need to call the full play. He just needs to have a design in in the area, and he can figure out how to get mm-hmm. everybody open. And it's funny, we're saying this about the Packers because they are 4-1. and one. You know, it's not like they're 2-3 and three or right. anything like that. So they're winning games. They're doing well, but they could be so much better. And you don't have very many years left with Aaron Rodgers yeah. being in sort of the prime of his throwing career because eventually he's going to hit that cliff or he's going to battle another injury, and that's going to cause him to speed up the aging process. Uh, one thing I, I do want to ask you um, – Again, there's more blame to go around. So Tyron Smith, uh, to me, the best left tackle in football, didn't play in this game for Dallas, high ankle sprain, should be back sooner rather than later. But what about Zeke Elliott, okay? Because I defended him by saying he's going to use these first four games as his preseason. He's not going to look like great Ezekiel Elliott. He's got to work himself back into that. But in this game, for one, he had 12 carries, 62 yards, had a touchdown, two catches, 29 yards. That, and we said this, I think, uh, I said this to somebody. I made it up. He, I said that Zeke, in order for them to win this game, he's got to be great Zeke. He's got to be 120-yard Zeke. So is something wrong with Zeke Elliott? No. I mean, he averaged 5.2 yards a carry. So he didn't just do terrible. You right. want your running back to get you about four to eight per carry. That's that's actually a solid game because, I mean, three runs, four, eight, 12, that's first down. Mm-hmm. That means every three runs you're getting a first down out of them. So, but no, so he, he it wasn't that. The problem was is that they started from behind from jump that there was no way he was going to get the ball that much. They ran the ball 21 times the entire game. That's not Cowboy football. But at the same time, this makes me think about the way things are set up with um, with um, with the Rams and Todd Gurley. Yeah. You know, because last year, Zeke ran out of gas when they went up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That was one of their biggest problems is he ran so much during the season, had so many carries – he just hit that cliff and just collapsed to the ground. Where I feel like in this situation, Zeke is probably there. Like you said, he's not going to come out just red hot. 
But I think the Cowboys are trying to preserve him in preparation for later this season. But Dak, I mean, numbers wise, after he got their they got their heads out there behinds and made it mounted a comeback, mm-hmm. Dak finished with four sixty three, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper, eleven catches for two twenty six. Yeah, he was unguardable in that second half. He was unguardable. Him and Michael Gallup, seven for one thirteen. So I'm what I what I'm trying to figure out is where is Randall Cobb in this equation? Why aren't we seeing more of him? I mean, three catch fifty three yards is solid, but you should expect with those three, Dak should be able to air it out more. Well, it's too many mouths to feed because you know Gallup is an up and coming. I think he's an up and coming uh, star receiver, not superstar, but he's going to be really good. Uh, you have Amari Cooper, your number one guy, and Jason Witten has you know reemerged as his safety blanket. So you have him, you have Zeke, who you're trying to get back into shape. Right. So that's already four mouths right there. So a fifth mouth is not going to get fed very often consistently from game to game. But that's the thing is that they're they're throwing on an average. It looks like about thirty five times a game. Mm-hmm. That's enough to feed five guys mm-hmm. easily in the past game. I'm not understanding where – I mean, I understand you feel the need to force feed Amari Cooper and give him more food than everyone else, but sometimes you need to ration a portion of his food to the <laughs> others. That way you can open him up more for dessert. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah, that's okay. the thing is that yeah. you keep stuffing him throughout the game, he ends with one touchdown. If you get him down from 11 catches to about seven mm-hmm. – and you get about – you take that, that, that ratio, which is four more, and give it to Randall Cobb that puts him at seven. Mm-hmm. Amari Cooper could have about three touchdowns from that. I mean, well, we talked about trust. So that takes time to build. This is his first season with Randall Cobb. And, again, I'm, I'm telling you, for the position that he's playing and for where he is in terms of who's getting fed, he's not, he's not going to get the ball consistently enough to make defenses respect him enough in order to open up Gallup and Cooper. Now, if they scheme and game plan for that reason, I mean, they could. It could work, but I don't think they need to because I think that Amari Cooper's having a really good season. They just yeah. got Gallup back from injury. He's been having a good season as well. So, passing-wise, it's going well. It's the run game is not going well, and you have Tyron Smith. You have to make sure that he is right because he is the anchor of that line. I know Travis Frederick is great, so is Zach Martin, but... Tyron Smith is the one who makes it all work. They've got to get him back, got to get him healthy, and without him, they're going to struggle all season long. I agree, but the one thing we don't struggle with here on the Half a Bird Sports Show is the news. And now, Jimmy has the news. All right, thank you, Wendy. Hope you had a good weekend. Okay, so there was an extension in the NBA, Jay, that you might have missed, and that is involving uh, champion point guard for the Toronto Raptors, Kyle Lowry, who signed a who signed an extension with the Toronto Raptors. So he's got one year left on his deal. So he signed an extension, not for five years, not for four years, not for three or two, but a one-year extension worth $31 million, which is weird because usually when we think or talk about extension, you're getting at least two years plus, but he's getting a one-year $31 million deal. So given that he's nearing the end of his career, potentially, is this a thank-you-for-your-service retire-after-next-season contract, or is it something else? I think that's what it is. I don't think it's a retire. I think it's a, hey, we're not retaining you in the next two years. Okay. So you got two years left to enjoy what we're trying to figure out. Once we get to the where we want to be, we're probably going to usher you out and pick up another point guard. Mm-hmm. You, by that time, he'll probably still have some um, some basketball left in him. I mean, he can go somewhere, maybe be a backup, or if a team's really desperate, be the starting point guard, mentor the young guys. I mean, could you imagine a guy like him in Oklahoma City? I would much rather a guy like him than Chris Paul, to be honest with you, in terms of that. mentoring the youth. What's All next? Right, up next, this isn't even a story. This is just something I came up with because I'm really curious about this. So in the NFL, what you hear, pick six, baby, San Francisco, sorry. <laughs> so what you hear is the best cornerbacks are it's either Jalen Ramsey or Josh Norman, Xavier Rose, Tredavious White for the Bills is the name that's coming up. But what about Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints? Because peep this. We know in the last game, Amari Cooper went off 11 catches, 226, blah, blah, blah. But against the Saints, the previous game, he had five catches, 48 yards. And in the game yesterday, when they faced the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in New Orleans against one of the best receivers in football, Mike Evans, Mike Evans had three targets and zero catches. So based upon these kind of performances, can we start to move Marshawn Lattimore to the top of the list in terms of the best cornerbacks in the NFL? Yes, and I told you all to watch out for the Saints' defense. And then secondary, they are gelling. They know how to work together. And I love what Marshawn Lattimore is doing out there. Him and Eli Apple, to me, is one of the, is, is probably the best duo out there in, in, in the NFL right now. I'm starting to give the Saints, you know, Super Bowl consideration. I know they've been close these last few seasons, but 
I mean, things are still clicking without Drew Brees, so I'm starting to take them a lot more as, serious. As long as they don't do anything stupid that a young player would do on defense, they're good. What else? Mm-hmm. That's it. Snooze. And that was Jimmy running back? with the news. Thank you, Bob. All right. Who is yeah. that? Is that Brita? Yeah, it's Brita. So, yeah, yeah. anyway, moving on we're watching the game and not talking to y'all. So, we're going to talk. <laughs> Most important piece that's coming up is – um. More NFL. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. What, mm-hmm. what, what, what? The Chiefs. So, last night, Sunday Night Football, you had the Indianapolis Colts, led by Jacoby Brissett, going to Kansas City, as I said, against Patrick Mahomes and the incredible Chiefs offense. But this was not the kind of game you were expecting. Nope. The Colts won, first of all, 19-13, to 13, holding Patrick Mahomes to – he had 321 passing yards, but only one – touchdown sacked him four times and they only gave up 36 rushing yards in the game so after the end of this game the first thing I was thinking was all right that's one touchdown pass in the last two games for Patrick Mahomes so have teams now started to figure out how to stop him that is the question that's the multi-million dollar question and to want me to be really really honest with you yes I think so I think teams have figured out how to scheme around the, 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 the talent that he's working with, but they'll never be able to scheme and stop him because his head coach is by the name of Andy Reid. Uh-huh. Andy does a really good job of changing things up, and Patrick Mahomes has the mindset to be able to handle those change-ups. So I give him mad props for finding a way to keep Patrick Mahomes fresh but I got to give big props to the Colts for trying to for figuring out a way to slow him down. I mean, the last two weeks have been crazy, mm-hmm. and that's basically all it's been. It's been two weeks of crazy for Patrick Mahomes going out there and throwing one touchdown in two weeks. I mean, the Lions and Matt Patricia, who does a really good job against Andy Reid anyway, yeah. held him and, shut, and slowed him down, and then now you have this circumstance with the Colts. So the AFC is going to be a little bit more interesting because of that. So. On that note, Jimmy, do you think that the Chiefs are missing Kareem Hunt and Tariq Hill? This is this is really strange. Two games ago, when they played against Detroit, they had LaShawn McCoy, and in that, um, well, between LaShawn McCoy, actually, now that I'm looking at the stats, LaShawn McCoy had 56 yards, a touchdown in that game. Patrick Mahomes, 54 rushing yards in the game against Detroit. And Daryl Williams, 13. So they averaged 4.9 a carry, 123. But if you take out the Patrick Mahomes stuff and then you take into account this last game against the Colts, they can't run the ball. So here's what's happening. They can't run the ball effectively, and that is essentially all the Colts did was run it right at that Chiefs defensive line who could not take that to the tune of 180 rushing yards, 132 of which came from Marlon Mack. So that's what they're doing. They're saying, okay, we're going to run the ball right at that defense, wear them down, but while we're doing that at controlling time of possession, guess who ain't on the field with the ball? Patrick Mahomes. Yep. So that, to me, is the formula that teams are going to have to use. Run it right at their defensive line, stop their run somehow, even though that would open up passing lanes for Patrick Mahomes. But he can't burn you for five touchdowns if your offense is the one that has the ball. And you, I agree. you see teams try to do this a lot against uh, Peyton Manning, keep him off the field, because once the yes. sheriff has the ball, there's not too much you can do. Right. You've got to limit his possession. So that's what they're going to try to do. It's going to work sometimes with the better teams who actually have real defenses. Other times it won't work. But that's what you got to do, take the ball out of his hands. I, can, I agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. Well, what's funny is, is we're talking about taking the ball out of people's hands. There's one person that teams are trying their hardest to put in this guy's hands, and for some reason he's still burning them, and that's Derek Carr. <laughs> like, no, seriously, like mm-hmm. most team strategy has been to make Derek beat them. And right now, Derek is starting to beat people in a way that's really surprising. First and foremost, you had the Bears and Raiders playing in London. So you had the Raiders traveling across the country and then over water at the same time to go, which I heard a rumor that they didn't travel until the night before the game. What? Yeah, that's actually that, – and know, know where they got that from? What? Belichick. Uh-huh. When the Patriots, I think when the Patriots played overseas once, they traveled the morning before the game. Mm-hmm. So they, that so that Saturday morning they they took the red light. Actually, they took the red line. They flew over the night while while the players basically slept on the flight. Woke up the next morning, prepped, and went and played the game. Mm, I see what you're saying. So they basically practiced at home, relaxed in that area, and then flew across that way. Time wise, 
they weren't too thrown off trying to adjust to another time zone mm-hmm. all week long. And I think the Raiders did the exact same things. I heard a couple of people mentioning that, which was interesting. But Derek Carr, look at these numbers. 25 for 32, 229. He only averaged seven yards per pass, which is disgusting. <laughs> no touchdowns, no picks. But then he had that ball to Josh Jacobs, the Tulsa boy. Yeah. 26, 123, two touchdowns. He also caught three passes for 20 yards. And that's just something you don't do against the Bears. You Like Dalvin Cook, when the Bears played the Vikings before that, that was one of my picks. I was like, there's no way he's going to be able to run on this defense. So I don't know how they did it. I don't know if they just said keep going no matter what. But, again, just like we were talking about with the Chiefs, you run it straight at the meat of that defense because, in a sense, that sends a message right. that, that we're here, we're not afraid of you, we're going to be just as tough as you, and eventually we expect you to wear down, which is probably part of what happened with this Bears defense. Because everybody knows – just with that defensive loan alone, they're a better team than the Raiders. But then again, are they? Because the yeah, Raiders are a what? Three and two? Yeah, Raiders are three and two. Bears are three and yeah, two. Yeah, same, same as the and Bears. Raiders are just about at the tops of the AFC, which is really, really top of the division, which is kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Um, Khalil Mack, I mean, of course, this, this kind of disturbed his revenge match of them not paying him, except for he got him a fumble recovery. He had a sack fumble recovery. He was out there everywhere. Yeah. He was doing what Khalil, he did, he was doing things that Khalil Mack does. Mm-hmm. He hit the quarterback. He got him a hit. He picked up a, a fumble or whatnot. But listen to this: Derek Carr threw it to nine different receivers. Four, 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 three, three, two, two, and two and one. So he spread the ball a lot. And I guess if the strategy is to make him throw the ball. It's kind of disheartening that he's able to hit that many people, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, but they're probably doing a lot of West Coast stuff. You know, a lot of when you play against the Bears, you don't want a bunch of you know, four- and five-step drops. So that ball needs to be out of his hands in another yeah. two, two-and-a-half seconds. So in order to do that, your receivers have to run shorter routes closer to the line of scrimmage and try to get as much yak as they can. Just focus yeah. on moving the chains. They yak. Know, not, not trying to take the top off the defense and make sports center. Right. But that's the way they do that. Do that, run the ball, and they pretty much control this entire game doing that on offense. That's true. That is very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, not, not uh, cognac, but um, – yeah, that's very interesting <laughs> to me. So, I mean, so for this reason, can we take the Bears for real anymore or not? Um, well, they don't have Mitchell Trubiskets, who's a lot more mobile than Chase Daniels. Chase Daniels is more of a um, – he's more of a traditional quarterback, but he's also the guy that is – like I said, he's a, he's a legend. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer <laughs> at the bank. He's made a lot of money to not start, which I think – I literally think that his agent tries not to get him starting jobs. <laughs> That's like right. he told him, don't don't find any starting job. Right, right. Uh, but no, I don't think we take the Bears serious until they figure out that quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Unless Trubisky comes back next week, they might be in trouble because also Tariq Cohen has went ghost all year. No, so has David Montgomery. He and was David one. Of, he, to me, he was one of my sleepers. He was a sleeper running back. Yeah, I they mean, can't, they can't run the ball. Can't run the ball. That line is not moving. So right. we're learning a lot from that. So all right, as we prepare for next week. You know that we're degenerates. We like to gamble. So every Monday, we do this. We're going to do a little differently. We're going to bring out the $7 challenge. Jimmy's got questions. Which, let me ask you this, though, because you know how, how it comes to. Jay's got answers. Yeah, that was terrible. I, yeah, you did, I you did well. It's the $7 challenge. <laughs> every damn time. Every time. All right, this week's $7 challenge is presented by MyBookie.com. Go My on there and go to MyBookie and book your bookie with your bookie at MyBookie. Use the promo code MyBookie. <laughs> We're gonna. I'm gonna give you seven lines, Jimmy, for next week. Okay. We're gonna play the the line game. Let's do it. You seven lines. You tell me. Uh, you got a point and a half. Either way. Either way. I'm gonna give you a point and a half. All right, you ready? Now, do I gotta get the favorite right or just the number? You gotta get the favorite right. Too. Okay. You okay. Do both. Got it. Point and a half. You ready? Yes. All right. First game. Giants at Patriots. <laughs> I wonder who the favorite's going to be in that one. All right. Uh, Giants at Patriots. Thursday night football, short week. Patriots, the favorite. Uh, Patriots undefeated, right? 5-0? Yep. Uh, 32-7 to in their last game against the Skins. Uh, they've been drawing high numbers. Daniel Jones, the Night King. Belichick kills rookies. I would say, just based on their previous lines, Patriots minus 15 and a half. Correct. You're close. It was minus 17. So okay. you won yeah. half points away. Good All job. Right. All right. Got it. Impressive. All right. Next game. Seahawks at Browns. 
Seahawks at Browns. Okay, so you got the Seahawks traveling cross country. They do have extra rest having played on Thursday night. So they're going to be the favorite, and they're better than the Browns. Everybody knows that. Um, This is tricky, though, because I'm thinking five, but that feels a bit much, especially not knowing what the Browns are going to do tonight. Oh, Baker Mayfield just got sacked. Never mind. I'm going to go Seahawks. Seahawks minus three and a half. Incorrect. What was it? Browns minus one. Browns are the favorites? At home, yes. <laughs> um, jot that down for my <laughs> Frozen Five this week. There you go. All right, All right. got it. Next one. Next one is going to be Eagles at Vikings. Ooh. Eagles at Vikings. Eagles on the road. See, this is picking the favorite, and this was pretty difficult. Um, The Vikings look much better throwing the ball in their last game, but again, it was it's the Giants. Uh, let me see. I'm going to say Vikings are the favorite, minus two. Correct. Minus three. All right. Let's go. It's a dinger. Mm-hmm. All right. Falcons at Cardinals. <laughs> Falcons at Cardinals. Cardinals just got their first win. No way they're the favorite. But the Falcons can't stop anybody, can't seem to do anything right other than get Dan Quinn to the front of the unemployment line with his buddy Jay Gruden. Uh, Still the Falcons, so Vegas is going to want people to still bet on them by giving it a number that the cards can cover. So I think it's going to be closer than people think, not four or five. See, no major injuries for the – well, actually, no. David Johnson hurt his back. That might inflate the number. Falcons minus four. Incorrect. Crap, what was it? Falcons minus one and a half. Ah. See, so I should have stuck with what I was saying in the beginning. Ah, David Johnson, he's probably going to play then. All right. Next Why, one. Uh, Washington at the Dolphins. <laughs> well, I can't pick the Dolphins as a favorite. <laughs> like, who could? Uh, all right. So, Washington, usually teams, the game after they have fired their coach, usually play well. Um, but you have two bottom-feeding teams, both winless. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So, I'm going to say Washington minus five and a half. Incorrect. What was it? It was Washington minus three and a half. Ah. You're off a half a point. That point got you. Yep, got me. All right. Uh, next up, 49ers at Rams. 49ers at Rams. Rams are down. 49ers are up. Whew, Rams probably still the favorite. Um, I'm going to go... Rams probably are still the early favorite. I mean, they played in the Super Bowl last year. So I'm going to say Rams minus three. Dang. Incorrect. Rams minus five. Oh, half Biggest a point. You thought. Half a point got you. Last one. Oh. The last one for – oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You lost. Uh, <laughs> Texans at Chiefs. Ooh. Love that was your game seven. I was hoping for it. Yeah, let's see the over-under on that. Texans at Chiefs. All right, Chiefs are going to be the favorite. Um, what time of day is this game being played? I don't know. Okay. Today's a day game. <laughs> All right. Texas at Chiefs. Let's go. Yep, it's noon. Noon game. Chiefs minus five. On the dot. Mm. Good call. Oh, so it was a half a point. Half a point twice away from being from a victory. From victory. Okay. Like you said, half a point always gets you. Always get me. Especially here on the Half a Bird Sports Show. That's what we do. <laughs> so you can always check us out if you like our show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everything for all our syndications, as well as with our affiliate WMQGRadio.com, Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, noon Eastern, replays throughout the day on the radio station. Good, good uh, old school chill music. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy, that was, uh, we were going there. Yeah. We, were, we, were, yeah. we were there. He was almost there. We did, we did well. So, <laughs> our next... The next thing we got to jump into, which we always jump into here on these Mondays, is going to be woo, our rapid fire. Let's start off with the first one. What's the first game we're going to go with? Let me see. Hold on a second. There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Your boy. Your boy got fired on this. John Gruden. Jay Gruden got yes. fired today. And it's reported that he was asked to come in at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> To get fired, which I mean, you know, 
I was listening to Chris Long talk on the uh, Ryan Rossillo show on The Ringer, and he was like, you know, Jay Gruden seemed like the kind of guy to get fired, go get breakfast, go home and take a three-hour nap. <laughs> See, I'll deal with this later. Uh-huh. So, Jimmy, do you feel like Dan Snyder is the worst owner in sports for this? I don't know if he's worse than James Dolan of the Knicks. I would say he's the worst owner in the NFL. I mean, for years, I have not liked Dan Snyder. I feel like he's a fake Jerry Jones wannabe without his business acumen. Obviously, if you look at his rosters from year to year, he's got a history of overpaying the wrong players. Albert Hainsworth, Josh Norman, who has not made a difference, and... With Josh Norman, they were actually betting against themselves. Yep. And, again, he has consistently not provided his coaches or his team was with the players who, whether it's free agency or through the draft, who are really elite, who can really get them to the upper echelon of that division. And that's the division. If you don't do right in free agency, if you don't draft right, you're not going to beat the Cowboys. You're not yep. going to beat the Eagles. And every third or fourth year, you're not going to beat the Giants. Nope. So that has been the problem with this organization just year after year of disappointing loyal Redskins fans because this is a proud franchise who in you know the 80s, 90s, it like the Joe Gibbs era – Used to be yes. a yeah. proud franchise. I mean, nowadays people are talking about how any time the that, that Washington plays at home, they're playing a road game because <laughs> the stadium is filled with. I mean, when the Bears were there, right. it was all Bears fans. Because you know, DC that area is kind of a transient city. I yes, think. you know, a lot of people aren't from there. Right, and so they just have no fans anymore in that Maryland area like they used to, it, and it's just bad because it's. To me, I, I'm trying to figure out is Dan Snyder worse than Mark Davis? Like, who's worse? I know Mark has the worst haircut. But <laughs> who is the worst owner? It's Dan Snyder because with Mark Davis, at least his team is three and two. You know, this year. The, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was twelve he got, and four he got a few Vegas, years though. ago. He was able to finagle his team to Vegas, though. So you got to give him some credit for that. That's true. Good point. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's definitely got to be Dan Snyder. But going back to what you said, him being fired at five a.m. Not that I want to understand the logic of why Dan Snyder did that or does anything. But for me, for you, if you get fired, like, what is the the time on the dot that you want to be fired at? Five a.m. Okay, so so that you agree, so that you like Dan Snyder's approach. Yeah, I can go back to sl- I can go get breakfast and go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Don't fire me after my shift's over. Now, is that only because you get up around five a.m. every morning? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I got to make sure kids are up and running like they're supposed to. So I'd rather get fired before I leave my house to go somewhere. Because mm-hmm. then I can get up and decide if I want to go get breakfast mm-hmm. or cook breakfast at home. I would say for me because I don't eat breakfast. I would say fire me at about ten thirty. Because after you're at work. Yeah, you know, let me get in, get settled. I mean, obviously, he knew he was going to get fired. Yeah, that's, that's so, that the best no, fire part. So, fire me at 10.30. The reason why is because you know more than just about anything in life. I love movies. So, you fire me at 10.30, I'm going to go to the movies. That's how I'm going to deal with things. Some people eat ice cream. Some people get drunk. Some people do any number of things. That's one of the first things I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the movies, forget about all this. And by the time I'm done with it, I'll be in a much better mental space, even though Jay Gruden's probably been preparing for this inevitability in the last uh, – Three to four years. Right. But yeah, fire me at 1030. Good point. Okay, well, I'm going to recap this horrible fire Frozen you. 5 that I'm going to fire you. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> so I'm going to recap this horrible Frozen 5. Um, yeah, I went one and four this week. This was not a good week for me. <sighs> oh, yeah. and let me explain myself and my decisions behind this. So the Bears, I felt like, was a trap. I caught the trap on the wrong side. The Jag should have covered, but they forgot how to play football at the wrong time. Tennessee, we they are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Next week they will cover. Watch. So keep that in mind on the next on your next Frozen Five. All right. The Cowboys, they're definitely who we thought they were. They are not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not them boys. I think, and then I think that's my point. Behind that, and I always remember, I know Aaron Rodgers owns Cowboys Stadium. That's his spot to go dominate. Yeah. He always does miracle work and does things. Um, I just didn't think the Cowboys were going to allow it. But without Trent Smith, mm-hmm. they are a different franchise. I think that that just completely changed everything for them. I think they're done because of it. Um, I think that might be, might be the piece. So my one win, though, was <laughs> definitely betting on Joe Flacco. Not sure why I bet on Joe Flacco, <laughs> but I bet on Joe Flacco. Why did you bet on Joe Flacco? Because I had a feeling that the Chargers, once they got um, when they got uh, Melvin Gordon back, it just wasn't going to be right. Mm. Something about it. The Chargers seem like they're pretenders this year. Things are not going well, and Phil Rivers is looking. Now, who we want to look old? Phil Rivers, mm-hmm. thirty-two for forty-eight. He threw forty-eight passes, only got and completed thirty-two of them. Got two hundred and eleven yards. 
oh. and through two picks. But you know, part of that, you know, Vic Fangio, who was the defensive coordinator of the Bears last year, is now the head coach of, of Denver. Maybe they've started to figure out, albeit without Bradley Chubb, how yep. to to really defend teams because the Chargers have a real offense. Kenny Allen's having a spectacular year, Phillip Rivers, etc. So maybe that's what it was too. Yep, Melvin Gordon had twelve carries for thirty one yards, so he looked as rusty as you would expect him to look. Austin Eckler had fifteen catches. Fifteen catches? Fifteen. So there was nothing in the secondary. He had no choice but to dump. Fifteen it. for eighty six yards. He averaged five yards a catch. That's nasty. Rivers threw average four point four. So it it just looked bad. And so that's the only reason why I thought the Broncos would get it because I thought Melvin Gordon was going to be a problem for him, for the Chargers and not for the Broncos that he should have been. Uh-huh. And, it, and it played out the, the the right way. But the Titans had it. I don't know what happened with them. I don't know what happened with the Jags. They both – I mean, the Jags should have covered. And the, and the Bears should have won because they were up right there at the end. And then, of course, they do the best job of jizzing away. So, anyway, Jimmy – you have, uh, you said you have an idea for me on the trade block. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and we love to play armchair GM on this show. So you have two high-profile disgruntled players in the NFL, Jalen Ramsey for the Jacksonville Jaguars, star cornerback, as well as um, somewhat star wide receiver Stephon Diggs yep. for the Minnesota Vikings. So regardless of what each one of them say, they both do want out of town. So here's my question. I don't know if this is my question, but let me give you this scenario. What if the Jaguars and the Vikings trade each player for the other? Like, take the money out. Let's So let's say the Jag, yeah, trade the Jags trade Jalen Ramsey to the Vikings. Stephon Diggs gets traded to the Jags because check this out. If that trade happens, Jacksonville, you still have A.J. Bouye, who's injured, but he's a really good corner. And you, you strengthen your receiving core. And this might be the – if you get him, that's your best receiving core since Jimmy Smith and Keenan McCardell like 20 years ago. Right? At least. If you're Minnesota, you pair Jalen Ramsey with Xavier Rhodes in a division with Aaron Rodgers and on a team with Dalvin Cook, who's finally started to emerge. And we all know Adam Thielen is the number one receiver on that team. He's a better receiver than Stephon Diggs, so it works out for them. So why not, you know, both teams just get on the phone with each other. Yeah, do a quick flip-flop. Yeah, solve your problems. Everybody wins. What do you think about that? I think that's a win-win on both sides. I mean, like you just said, you just laid it out perfectly. Put – Put Stephon Diggs out there with D.D. Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a nice setup. Your single coverage, D.J. Chark, who's emerged as the best receiver so far yep. with the Jaguars. Yep. It's a wombo combo. Mm-hmm. I like that whammy. Side question, though. If you're the Jaguars, when Nick Foles is ready to come back from that collarbone injury. No. <laughs> so you said, can I get back to the bench? We're rolling with min, min, min stash. Yeah, we were rolling with the stash because yep. the stash is doing it. He's got, you know, he's he's unorthodox. He's not – he makes mistakes, but he's got it. He's got juice. And that's he, something – He's got that NFL it yeah, to him. Yeah, he just, he just has it. He, has he just it. has it. And, and, and it's hard to describe, but the good thing about that having that it is it makes it hard for teams to figure you out up front. Mm-hmm. So he's got – he's bought himself a good season and a half when he might figure him out. Yeah. And isn't he this season what we thought Baker Mayfield was supposed to be this season? Because um, there's some similarities between them. No, he's currently what Baker Mayfield was last season mm. to me. Yep. I think that that's – I mean, I didn't, I didn't expect Baker Mayfield to give us a repeat of last year because it, it's, it's logic. NFL um, defensive coordinators, when they get a summer to study a guy mm. the way they need to study him, they come out and they're ready to do things to him. And Baker Mayfield likes to give the ball away. And Gardner Minshew is showing the exact same tendency right now. Because <laughs> he's kind Not of he's, he's a maverick. You know, he's top gun. He's out yeah, there just exactly. dealing. Exactly. Exactly. He's maverick. That's, that's the issue. So – We'll see what that turns into, but I do like that trade idea. Okay. All right. So who knows? I know you never know. This might end up being something big. So all right, mm-hmm. this is going to be a weird one for me because I don't know. I don't know how to approach this scenario. So Jimmy, I sent you an article earlier this morning because I heard about this, mm-hmm. but I didn't pay attention to it because of all the festivities this weekend. But now it's starting to really. It started. It, let me put it like this: it escalated quickly. <clears throat> it's the NBA on edge right now mm-hmm. because of Durham Moyer for the Houston Rockets decided to do a tweet. He tweeted seven words. Listen to seven words. Yeah, fight for freedom. Stand with Hong Kong. And know what happened? Mm. It com- completely derailed all relations between the NBA and the Chinese basketball 
Association to the mm-hmm. point that President Yao Ming said that the NBA, that they have cut off all ties with the NBA as of today. The president's name is Yao Ming? It is the Yao Ming. Yeah, so the, uh, yeah. Okay. the Yao Ming from the Houston Rockets. He, the Yao Ming Yao said Ming. This. Yes. So I thought you called him the president. I was like, damn, he, he made president of China? No, not the president. No, he's the president of, Bas- of Chinese, right, right, right. China yeah, Basketball yeah. I know, Association. I know, I know. He's that guy because he owned, he ended up buying them. But yeah, he basically said, no, they can't, they're not, they're done with the NBA. Mm-hmm. Adam Silver weighed in on this scenario, and so did the owner. So the owner of the uh, the Houston Rockets weighed in right after it was stated, and he basically was like, he said, what he say? Listen, Daryl Morey does not speak for the Houston Rockets. Our presence in Tokyo are all about the promotion of the NBA internationally, and we are not a political organization. And now this tweet came out while they were in Japan in preparation <laughs> for preseason basketball, uh-huh. exhibition matches, to the point now that not only did Yao Ming and them sever ties, they've also canceled the D-League games that were supposed to be played out there in exhibition as well. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. The controversy is crazy. James Harden apologized and expressed his love for China mm-hmm. amid, it, amid the, the growing controversy. But then the problem with that is is that it feel, fans are feeling like that the, the NBA doesn't have, an, have a spine when it comes to this communist or regime in China, which has been running it for 70 years, you mm-hmm. know, the president congratulates him because he wishes he can be that way. Right. And now we're dealing with a situation where do you, do you fight for human rights or are you on the side of the mighty green money, green leather sofa? Got me a rod, a limousine with a <laughs> chauffeur. Because Adam Silver also made a statement. He made a comment. He made a – the league put out a statement basically condemning, in a way, what Moyer said without condemning him. They basically said that um, – they basically said that the NBA supports their partners in China. Mm-hmm. Same as everybody else is saying. Yeah. Exactly. So now it's looking bad. Mm-hmm. It's looking bad. This is complicated. We could spend 30 minutes on this. Um, Wow. I mean, because you could approach this from the angle of, is Daryl Morey in exercising his freedom of speech via social media, something people do millions of times yes. on multiple platforms, is he wrong for having said this? Uh, You know, your question, like you said, does do placing human right, placing money or business partnerships ahead of human rights violations that we've known has been going on for decades in – this particular country and you have what the NBA can or should do about this in order to try to fix the this relationship with China, which they, they've already tried to do by distancing themselves from his thoughts. And even he has tried to do that because he's yes. also uh, released. He released several tweets yesterday, yesterday yes. evening um, in regards to I don't know if he really backtracked. He deleted the old tweet. Yeah. And then he start basically backtracked. Old deleted tweet. Yeah. So they're trying to fix this. I don't know how obstinate the Chinese government is going to be about forgiveness. I don't know what their plat- what their stance is on that. I kind of have my own ideas. But, uh, yeah, he really did. He really effed up. He has potentially cost the NBA millions and potentially billions of dollars yes. over a long enough timeline. Because you got to understand, this, you know, China is a superpower for a reason. There are 1.3 billion people in China compared to 327 million in, in the, the U.S. US. <laughs> so this is a country much bigger in the U.S. multiple times over, and we get a lot of exports from them. Exactly. Imports. It, lots of imports yeah. from them, and we export a lot to them as well. Okay, we so let's say that. their stance is, okay, let's try to fix this. Other than what they've already said in terms of James Harden, the owner, Adam Silver, Daryl Morey, how do they continue to try to fix this business partnership with the NBA in China? Well, the problem that they have right now is they have to fight with their own people first. Because we've already got senators and politicians already speaking out to the NBA, condemning the fact that they actually are siding with this with with China in comparison to the United States, mm-hmm. and by doing that, it makes it look like no one wants the NBA to side with communist China, mm-hmm. but. NBA has to make this decision of what's more important to them. Is it money 
even though they are a business, they are a for-profit business. And they have a partnership with ESPN who's losing money because of this large deal as they're trying to recoup a lot of it. Uh-huh. What's more important, they can taking care of their partners domestically or taking care of their partners internationally? Mm. Where's more of the money coming from? And that is the conundrum that they're in to start. And and this quagmire gets deeper than that. I mean, there's layers to this. People are speaking out on the NBA in a way, trying to silence Daryl from his free his right of free speech uh-huh. across to people saying you shouldn't bring those type of social issues when you're in that country at that time, <laughs> performing a game mm-hmm. at that moment. Like that's not that's a safety issue if you truly think. I mean, that's the next layer with it. That's a safety issue. Mm-hmm, you shouldn't put yourself in because Hong Kong. Because I mean, China's known for and Hong Kong is basically a part of China. You, it's known the way China treats people. And you should not put yourself in a circumstance yourself or your players while you're there, especially since LeBron James is supposed to be playing a game in Shanghai like this week. Not anymore. Not anymore. I wouldn't want to go there. I wouldn't be one caught dead there. Why? Because it's not safe. It's not safe. I mean, that's where everything you could imagine that – I mean, that's where all these layers are – it's so much to the – and it's the, – the hot takes are flying and they're all bad. I'm not going to lie. Mm. That's why I'm not really giving a hot take on this. I'm more so trying to navigate around how do you talk about this? Because this, this is a toughie. Mm-hmm. This is not something that you can just come out with a canned answer. This is something that you have to thoroughly think about. For example, the uh, owner of the Brooklyn Nets, the new owner, uh, Joe Sai, I think is his name. Joe Sai, co-founder of Chinese in, uh, e-commerce giant Alibaba, uh-huh. who just bought the Brooklyn Nets, the yes. full rights of it. He put a big 736-word open letter on Facebook about Maury uh, stepping onto what he calls a third-rail issue. And he said, these are complex issues. They don't lend themselves easily to social media. I can't ultimately run the NBA based on trying to satisfy everyone on Twitter. This is what, this is what Adam Silver said. But Joe kind of put a little... little couple things out there about this talking about you know that's not something you involved in that's and that's where we getting tough <clears throat> right right that's all you can do is clap your hands stomp your feet <laughs> right because i mean you like you're talking about you you see both sides because you know as our dear brother dr martin luther king said and injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere so this is not something that we can dismiss in terms of these human rights violations that we know are occurring on a day-to-day basis in the right. country while at the same time understanding the need to um, to maintain this relationship with China because, you know, basketball, I mean, it's, it's a big rela- – it's a relationship sport, you know, in terms of how relationships – really any team sport you could say, but especially basketball. And because they're not wearing any equipment, you can sort of see what's going on in real time. And it's about relationships, so such as it is with the NBA and with the country, especially mm-hmm. with the NBA's efforts, just like the NFL's, to globalize the sport, to have NBA teams in every country, a suit of armor around the world is what they want. So you're right. It, it is really complex – in terms of how to navigate this. Uh, so I try to keep it simple, just in the sense of can Daryl Morey, as the GM of the Rockets, as great as people claim he is, can he yeah. survive this? Now, that's a tough one. I don't know. Um, I mean, everybody's trying to say that, yes, he deserves to, to survive this. This is the – he's the best GM in the league without any rings. Um, there's, <laughs> It's tough to argue – it's just to argue on both ends that you should fire him and others, other sides to not fire him. Because yeah. no matter what, he's already pissed off hundreds of millions of people in China. There's nothing you can really do about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only the leadership there, but the I mean, the entire regime, the people. A lot of people, a lot of people support the way they do things there because yes. of just because of their history. And and the owner of the Nets kind of laid it out in this open letter about just history and the invasions and stuff they dealt with in the fight. So. He's kind of like, hey man, you made a big mistake and you just you just put us in a very big pickle. So mm-hmm. I don't know what to think. Uh, Adam Silver, this is probably the first blip in Adam Pil- Silver's career, mm-hmm. and now he's got a lot of uh, navigation to do to survive. Right. We'll see how this plays out. We've got time because this is not just this is going to be for for a few weeks. So mm-hmm. final thoughts. All right, final thoughts. So sticking with the NBA, uh, so the Lakers. 
played and I guess in a sense helped open the new arena in San Francisco for the Golden State Warriors. And they beat the Warriors handedly in this preseason game, 123-2-1-on-1. And following the game, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers Twitter account put out a tweet. And that tweet, uh, four words long, was consider this a warning. And it's a picture of LeBron James and Anthony Davis high-fiving. Um, you know, I wonder, and Lakers fans can maybe tell you this, have the Lakers sucked so bad for so long that they are talking-ish after the first preseason game? Because to me, that's probably a testament of how bad things have been in L.A. And this is not smart. This is not something that you do because because you have LeBron James and now Anthony Davis on your team, the target is already on your back. So to say consider this a warning makes that target that much bigger, which is going to make it that much more difficult for you to get to the promised land that you're trying to get to. So after one preseason game, I'm sure that there were much better tweets that whoever is running this Los Angeles Lakers Twitter account can have put out there instead of consider this a warning because this is not a real game. It's crap basketball, just like the NFL. It's crap preseason football. So they need to back up just a little bit. Don't get too far ahead of yourself because it only takes one or a few things to go wrong, as it did last season, for you to not even make the playoffs even with Anthony Davis. So be smart. Don't be stupid. Got you. My final thought is um, as much as you, a lot of you people hate the ball family, <laughs> understood, <laughs> LaMelo is the truth. And I think that he's going to be top two in the draft, if not the number one pick between him and R.J. Hampton. He's, he's clocking in. And Australia, he doesn't have to be super impressive to be impressive at 18 years old playing against actual professionals who've been playing for years. He's dominating down there, and to be honest, that's going to be great for him coming back to the league. So, as Michael says, much y'all hate the balls, hate the family. It's going to be, he's going to be the best ball. Lonzo's still good, but Lamelo, it's going to be it. So, with that, we appreciate y'all joining us as usual on the Half a Bird Sports Show. You know, you can check us out. Halfbirdsportshow.com for all our syndications, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, etc., as well as WMQGRadio.com, Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, noon Eastern. So for Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for being here and helping us get this set up. And for my co-host Jimmy, check out his solo show where he'll also talk about the OSG report in preparation for this coming season. And we'll rebound with the Frozen Five here on the Halfbird Sports Show. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.